0: Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more, spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is a site that I am so proud of as it's updated all the time. Check it out to help you with money-saving ideas. Also, things you should avoid, like in 20 minutes in today's Clark-rageous moment. People getting ripped off as inventors or would-be inventors. It's been a problem all the way back to when I wrote my first book in 1993. It continues to be a problem. I want to give you an updated warning that's involved in a court case about you being careful anytime somebody says they're going to help you with your new product or invention. And coming up in a half hour... Sending money from one person to another is getting easier and easier and easier. There's a new competitor launching. I want to tell you how that industry works and what's the best deal for you and your wallet. I want to talk about a very upsetting thing to discuss, and that is the number of people in the United States Dying from taking drugs. Drug overdose deaths in the United States now are roughly 5,000 people a month. 5,000 a month. And if you go back just a couple of years, it was a, fra- a tiny fraction of that. But this is because of the problems with opiate addiction in the U.S. and the numbers are just shattering i mean i don't i think that most people either know or know of someone or a family that has suffered the heartbreak of having a loved one who's ended up with a drug addiction and sadly too many of those addictions today end in death so i want to talk about Something that, I mean, I know this is a very upsetting topic for so many people, and I want to talk about, in my lifetime, how many times I have had a doctor want to prescribe a painkiller to me. You know, I've had uh, back troubles in the past, I've had back surgery, I had a serious problem with my shoulder at one time, and... It is standard operating procedure. It's not doctor's faults. It's not a beat up on doctor thing. It's a cultural thing in our society that when something pains us, we either seek or the doctor writes a script for a painkiller. And often those painkillers will be some form of opiate. And the problem is What they offer may be some pain relief, but the result can be a life-altering or life-ending addiction. I remember when I had such excruciating back pain early last decade that it was hard to walk, work, or sleep, and eventually I did have surgery and had a great result from the surgery. But if you've never had back pain, it consumes you, it's all you think about, and it can be just completely um, so intense that you're non-functional. And so when somebody says, here, take this pill, it'll make you feel better, at a moment like that, you'll say, let's do it. And... I never, ever took any of the pain pills, did not take them, and I mean, everybody has to make their own choices, but most of these addictions start from an initial prescription. There are people who have addictive personalities and end up addicted to drugs completely not from the process I'm talking about, but often it is because of seeking pain relief. Try alternatives. You know, when my shoulder was really bothering me, I sought acupuncture and eventually my shoulder healed either from acupuncture or combination of acupuncture and time, I don't know. But it got got well and my shoulder doesn't bother me anymore. I used to not be able to lift it past uh, horizontal and now I can go all the way as high as I want with my arm without any discomfort, pain, anything, full rotational ability with my right arm and at that time as well I was offered painkillers and I didn't take them. I didn't even take the script. So you and I need to be informed, need to be aware That there may be a variety of alternatives to having painkillers and that the danger from the painkillers is so extreme that you really need to think this through. We're never going to have enough treatment beds in the United States for everybody who's addicted to opiates and that's a terrible thing. It's just not going to happen. So... Always the best way to solve a problem is to prevent it in the first place. And whatever it is that you can do in your own life that short circuits you getting involved in an addiction, whatever the origin of it is for you, rely upon family, rely upon uh, your religious congregation if you're in one, whatever it is, and seek help early. The earlier you do, the better, because this is something that just tears at me when I think about all the people who have addiction problems, and I know people who've had addiction problems right now, as best I know, past tense, although there may be somebody who's a friend or family member who has an addiction problem right now, and I'm just not clued in but it's something that affects our country. And think about the families that are hurting from losing a loved one. We've got to address it and be honest with each other about it. Chris, I am so sorry you get to follow that. How are you, Chris?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Good, good. I know it's such a Heavy topic that I just brought to the table. So take us in a completely different direction if you could.
2: Sure. Let's uh,
1: lighten it up with a little bit of credit monitoring and uh, credit freeze topic.
0: Okay. I'm ready. So
1: my father in law was suggesting we uh, sign up for um, credit monitoring. My wife and I wanted to just freeze our credit. Um, And in the past, His credit cards have, I'm guessing he goes through credit card change twice a year, at least. Um, And so he he wanted to sign up for one of the credit monitoring services, and he suggested we do it, too.
0: So he is so active applying for credit that the idea of doing credit freeze to him is just a royal pain.
1: I I think so. That's that's the idea. He's either having to do it so much, or it's either loans... You know, applying for a loan, possibly, with you know business, okay. whatever it is, or, or applying for credit, yes.
0: So, you know, I've had my credit frozen as long as credit freeze has existed, which goes back to, I don't know if it's 12 years now, 15 years, I don't even remember. And over the years, there have been a couple of pain points for me, having my credit frozen, where I've had to go through the process of thawing it, and maybe it wasn't convenient for me, but I just had to do it. But, but I found it to be a, a relatively easy process when I've needed to thaw my credit. And if you were not applying for credit as often as you said, this is your father-in-law? Correct. As often as your father-in-law, you would probably benefit much better than him from doing a credit freeze.
1: What about monitoring or protecting our current, our in-use accounts or credit cards? So
0: credit monitoring doesn't specifically help you with your existing accounts. What credit monitoring does is it helps you be alerted that somebody has applied for, attempted to apply for credit, is if they're you. And so what you're father-in-law is talking about that's where it really addresses account what's known as account takeover fraud which is considered to be identity theft light where somebody somehow gets your account number and starts buying things as if they're you yes that's considered to be generally the least significant thing in the general broad area we refer to as identity theft the greatest harm comes when somebody applies for credit or pretends to be you getting a cell phone or whatever, and you're left cleaning up that mess. So if well, your he, father-in-law he doesn't want to go as far as credit freeze, then I suggest that he sign up for a Credit Karma account. Okay. And with Credit Karma, he can monitor his credit for free and get alerts for free. I never recommend paying for credit monitoring. Because credit monitoring good. is a pretty uh, ineffective tool, yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't get you anywhere near the protection you get with credit freeze.
1: Okay. And his issue, his biggest issue, isn't identity theft necessarily. It's twice a year at least his card or cards are being compromised, and people are
0: yeah. He's like, not going to fix that. He's not going to fix that this way. I'm going to think about it, and I'm going to come up with a suggestion for him okay. that'll that'll work. And I think I've got an idea. Let me just noodle that. Maybe we can even do that later today. Okay. Okay? I appreciate it. But for you, if you're not applying for credit all the time, go do the credit freeze. Will do. Because it, it's easy. It's expensive in some states. It's as much as $30 to set up. A lot of states it's free, others it's uh, just a couple of bucks, but credit freeze is worth it and works. Judy is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Judy, you've been interviewing financial planners, is that right?
3: Uh, Well, no, not exactly, but I heard you talk about interviewing financial planners on your show and... Um, I don't need a financial planner right now, but what I do need is someone to do a will and a living trust. So I wanted to interview some professionals that do that type of work, and I was wondering what would be the best way to go about that.
0: So for that, it's going to be a lawyer who specializes in wills, estates, and trusts. Okay. And it is something that... Uh, is generally a more expensive form of law than others when you hire a lawyer who specializes in wills, estates, and trusts because most of their client base are people who've got pretty big amounts of money, your own a uh, family business or something like that. So it, it, the, the cost of hiring one can frighten you a little bit. So what I recommend is that Get referral. You ever used a lawyer for any purpose?
3: Uh, no.
0: Okay. Uh, any friends that own their own business?
3: Mm, no.
0: No? Okay. <laughs> no. So if you were to, you can call your, uh, your bar association where you live. Okay. And they can give you names of people that do wills, estates, and trusts. And... A lawyer that's used to doing really expensive ones. You tell them your situation. If you're not somebody with tons of money, they can refer you to somebody who does wills, estates, and trusts. That is a lower cost option.
3: Okay, and then but what kind of questions should we ask to make sure we're finding someone that would be a good fit for?
0: Us? That is, that is a wonderful question, and it's and you don't have to worry so much about that when you're hiring a lawyer to do a will and uh, living trust, that they will really ask you the right questions, that you'll feel like you're with the right person. Okay. Because they'll be asking you specifically about your situation to see, does it make sense for you to do, as an example, living trust? Uh Because many times living trusts don't make sense. They're heavily peddled. But more often, most people benefit from just a regular will. Your situation might be one that lends itself to a living trust, but as you are interviewed, as you talk to lawyers and they ask you questions, you'll know pretty easily, based on how much they focus on your needs and what they're going to cost, who's the right person for you to hire. But normally I like for people to go to a lawyer they've already used and get referral. In your case, that's not going to work. Today's Clark moment is about something that's been a frustration for me for the 30 years I've been on the air, and that's all the phony balonies that say they're going to help you bring your idea to market, your invention to market, help you with the patent process, whatever. Yet another firm has had its assets frozen, this time world patent marketing that stole twenty-six million dollars, allegedly stole twenty-six million dollars from people over a relatively short period of time, promising it was gonna help them not just secure patents, but would get their products manufactured and marketed. Instead of the twenty-six million dollars, all is missing but two million. The money is gone and thin air allegedly no services offered. Please be aware and wary if you are somebody who's trying to bring an idea to market that there are a lot of snakes in the grass and you need to be very, very cautious who you hire, who you pay, and who you trust bringing your idea to invention to patent or anything else. We'll be right back glad you're with us on the Clark Howard show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our web address. When you are looking for deals, we got those for you at ClarkDeals.com. Now, one of the things that has changed so much in the last few years is the chokehold that the banks in this country had on money transfer has been broken. Banks have been Horrendous to deal with on money transfer when you want to send money from you to somebody else. And the free market came in while the banks weren't looking and made it really affordable for you to send money if you needed to to a friend or relative overseas. Let's say a relative is overseas, runs out of cash on vacation or whatever. You now, and I've got links for you at clark.com, can send money overseas. At almost no cost. I mean just a minuscule amount. Where before with the banks, you would end up paying a huge penalty in foreign exchange and a huge fee for sending money overseas. You wanted to send money to somebody in the United States, that was a complete ripoff. There was a bank monopoly, but not anymore. You think about things like Square Cash and Venmo that have obliterated the way banks used to rip people off on sending money from one to another. And they're just simple apps on your smartphone, on your Android or iPhone, and you're able to send money to someone. Facebook has the ability right through the Facebook app for you to send money to a friend. At no cost, no cost, no cost. Now, banks don't understand giving people good service, and not charging them an arm, a leg, and a foot. Or they'll tease you with something, and then once they get you hooked, rip you off. You may have heard me tell the story about how when ATMs first started appearing in the marketplace in the 1970s, banks used to pay you if you'd go to an ATM. Their logic was it cost them so much money, if you went to a human teller, so they gave you savings if you would go to a machine. And then the banks figured out, wait, 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 wait. we got all these people with these ATM cards. Now they're hooked on going to an ATM. Let's rip them off for it. And that's when all the ATM junk fees came about. So now the banks are furious at the success of, of these various money transfer services, and I'm remiss in not mentioning for people that are not tech-oriented, Walmart has a service at their Walmart money centers that you can go in and set up to send money to someone, and they can go to a Walmart anywhere in the country, and they can pick up that money, and that's a free thing to do. So there are many, many ways now for you to send money to somebody who needs it and your family or friend or whatever, and not pay for it. And the Venmo app and the um, the Square Cash, and you can send money through uh, the, the PayPal portal on your computer or smartphone. You can send money to somebody, it's free, free, free. So now the banks are trying to crush all the people doing this, and they're doing it under the operating name Zelle. Your bank may or may not use Zelle, but they'll offer you on their app the ability for you to send money to somebody for free. And this is something that was originally conceived as something they were going to charge for, but now that all these free things are out there, what the banks are going to try to do is crush the freebies out in the marketplace, monopolize it, And then again, rip you off with fees. Don't let them con you. When your bank pretends they're doing something nice, they're not. It's diabolical. Use these alternatives that have proven the test of time and work very well. I'm trying to think, have we ever had a complaint about Square Cash or Venmo, or PayPal Cash either. Walmart's money, we've never heard a complaint about any of them. They just work, and they're the best price of all, free. Again, don't let your bank con you as they work overtime to destroy competition and try to reestablish their monopoly on money transfer. One other thing while I'm on this topic, banks in this country put a big-time hurt ripoff on you if you're going overseas and you go to your bank to get foreign currency before you travel. Don't do that. The exchange rates you're offered and the fees that are charged at your bank are outrageous, horrendous. Ridiculous, almost extortionate. The fees are so high. When you're traveling overseas, get your money at an ATM. When you go to an ATM overseas, you get the money at what's known as banker's buying rate. That is the wholesale rate that would take place for huge transactions. You get, in other words, you get a deal. You get the money basically at what would be known as par. No rip-off baked into it at all. Your own financial institution may have a rip-off fee for you using that ATM overseas, in which case before you go, find out what that fee is, and if they do, go to one of the financial institutions that does not charge a fee for using ATMs outside the United States. Dustin is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Dustin. Hey Clark,
4: how's
0: it going? Great, thank you. And you are going to have a house full. What's going on?
4: Well, we're, um, we're having quadruplets um, sometime in the next, hopefully, 12 weeks.
0: All right, wait, 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 wait. So I got to know, <laughs> when you found out you were having quadruplets, how did that conversation go down?
4: Well, you know, <laughs> well, the doctor was definitely, um, I think, a little bit shocked as well. Um, you know, my mentality is, um, you know, I'm an, it is what it is type thing. And, you know, I have two other children, too. So we're going from two children to six children in a matter of, you know, as quickly as possible
3: here. So. Wow.
4: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. Big change coming our way. But um, the reason I'm calling in, is I was wondering, what should... Our realistic goal be for saving um, as a family, um, we're a one income family, um, very little debt, um, just one student loan that's in um, uh, deferment right now, um, so that's our only debt. But should we be trying to save fifteen percent of our income or ten percent?
0: I mean, all right. Well, I, first of all, I'm impressed that with four more mouths to feed. You're still thinking how you're going to save. Now, let's talk about the loan that's in deferment. Is it a federal student loan? It is. All right. You would would likely be, you're not in school right now in addition to working, are you? No, I'm not. Okay. So you're probably better off taking it out of deferment and putting that loan on the revised pay-as-you-earn schedule. Okay. Where based on what will be considered to be your disposable income with eight people in the family, your disposable income that is expected to be used for a student loan will be teensy tiny. Okay. And so I'd rather you than be in deferral, be in the revised pay as you earn where what you're required to pay adjusts with your available disposable income okay and if and what interest rate are you on on your student loans do you know
4: i think it's five right around five
0: percent i would love it if you were paying on those as agreed and if you're still in a position on one income and six babies to i i I have trouble even saying that If you're able to continue to save some of your income, whatever you can save is great. And that you can even think in terms of being able to save 15% is extraordinary and excellent.
4: Okay. I mean, we have, I have a 20-year term policy already, so I got the life insurance part and there won't be any medical bills. Our insurance company is going to take care of all all pre-care and post-care and delivery for us um so and really, the money uh, you're saving
0: uh, how are you thinking of it are you thinking of it in a retirement account or rainy day account or what are you thinking well, of what you do with that
4: well that's a great that's a great question um i teach in wyoming and the wyoming retirement system uh, school districts already contribute 15 percent. Uh, we don't pay anything into retirement the school district does it for us so I'm, I'm doing well for retirement. My wife, however, is a stay-at-home mom, and so she was concerned should she start a, a Roth IRA or, or something. I'd love for
0: her to start a Roth IRA. Okay. And since you're already saving effectively 15% of your pay with yeah. the time you're putting in as a teacher, then her doing the Roth, is the spousal Roth, sounds like the right next move.
4: Okay. So w- we would not want to be doing education funds at this point for all six children. Definitely so
0: not. True. Saving for your and your wife's retirement is a higher priority, believe it or not, than the six-kids college. Now, you just brought up something very important, and this is why I want you and revise pay as you earn pronto, because okay. since you're a teacher, 10 years of employment as a teacher, your remaining student loan balance will be forgiven.
4: Oh, Really, I'm in my this was I'll start my 11th year next year.
0: Well, teaching. I don't think the program is retroactive. I don't want to get into that cuz I'm not sure. Oh, okay. But years of teaching ultimately leads to loan forgiveness. Oh, good. So okay, again, the program long. is called Revised Pay As You Earn. Okay. And I wish both of you the best of luck on the sleeping thing.
4: <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that is that is one of our concerns, but that
0: that is the hardest part and congratulations to both of you too david is with us on the clark howard show hello david hello clark how are you good so what would you think if suddenly you found out you were having four more babies i'd have to
5: pick my jaw up off the floor first and then uh <laughs> try to step back and reevaluate my uh my priorities
0: yeah that's a lot of kids <laughs> Well, how can I serve uh, you?
5: We've got a maximum of three. That's it.
0: Three, yeah. I've got three. That seems like a good ceiling.
5: Absolutely. So
0: how can I serve you today, David?
5: Well, actually, I'm calling. I've got uh, cable, uh, uh, basic cable. And uh, in addition to that, I have internet and uh, landline in the package. We also have uh, Amazon and Netflix. So movies aren't an issue, but I'm trying to find a way to... Uh, get jettison the cable portion of the package and only uh, have internet and self and landline remaining on the plan. I'm trying to find out what my options are as far as we do want to have access to some of the cable channels, but uh, I'm tired of paying sure. an exorbitant amount of money for basic cable.
0: All right, so there are a lot of choices now, and depending on how many you sign up for, you could end up not really saving money or you could still save a substantial amount so the the growth of options keeps escalating and there's now one that the the techies seem pretty fired up about the new one from Hulu and so Hulu has something called Hulu's I get the names the trade names messed up I think it's Hulu Live is what theirs is called Okay, And it's a mixture of all the programming that Hulu has plus an enormous number of channels that you get like you're used to with cable. And then YouTube has their own that I think is called YouTube TV. Uh, is Is there a charge for the YouTube service? Oh yeah, for the YouTube TV it's $35 a month. You can have several different unlimited capacity DVRs, and you can have six accounts per household.
5: Hmm. That definitely sounds like an option that I need to explore further.
0: But I would look at the YouTube TV and the Hulu as two potentially very good options for you. The other is Sling.com.
5: Sling.com?
0: Yeah, it's the streaming alternative owned by the Dish Network people. And that starts at twenty a month and it goes up based on what you add to it. So it's twenty plus the add-ons for Sling, it's thirty-five for YouTube, and it's thirty-nine for the Hulu Live.
5: So are these a la carte so that I can pick and choose the channels that I want, or is this
0: Well the the one that's available from Sling.com is much more a la carte than the other two. And that you can say, okay, I want a little bit of this, a little bit of that. This one looks like what I'd add on, and they do it in $5 chunks. And so compare it to what you're paying right now. By the way, buying that phone service from the cable company or phone company, look instead at whether Uma, O-O-M-A dot com, would be an adequate substitute for you for home phone service, and then all you'd be paying per month is for the Internet connection to your home. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com. Producer Joel asks your question. What's up, Joel? Yeah, Clark. Mary wants to know, do you still consider the Wish app and website a good and reliable place to shop? Oh, I've never thought Wish was a reliable place to shop, but but good, that's a different story. If you're not familiar, Wish and their companion site Geek and the apps for each sell things so cheap, it's like impossible. And the things can be mediocre in quality. Sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. Most of the time they do. Delivery windows, this is not Amazon two-day delivery. It's not unusual for it to take four to six weeks for an item to show up. But the prices are extraordinary. Their largest competitor is a website called AliExpress, A dot And I'm looking right now, and AliExpress has like a smartwatch for $15, seriously. Um, On Wish, there's items of all different types available for just a couple of dollars, including free shipping. And this is an opportunity for you to buy things dirt, dirt, dirt cheap, but sometimes... You get what you pay for. Other times, you get a screaming deal. All right, Tim wants to know, I need to get a life insurance policy. I'm concerned about getting one that won't pay out if I die. How do I find a reputable company? Well, all you need to do is when you're shopping for life insurance at one of the sites that I have at Clark.com, only buy from a company rated A double plus by AM Best, A plus plus for financial strength. You should be fine. I'd like to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge that helps you save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our web address. Clark.com slash ask is where you go to post a question for me, but also you can ask a question from a member of Team Clark that's free, that's available 45 hours a week, And if you're on your smartphone going to Clark.com, you can click to call right from the front screen of the app to get free off-the-air advice. Last hour, I was asked a question about what are things that we can do about all the credit card fraud taking place and debit card fraud where somebody starts using our number even when we're still in possession of our card. And so that triggered a thought in my mind. I want to talk about that in just 30 minutes. You can't prevent that fraud, but there's something you can do so you are aware of it very quickly and can shut it down. I'm going to talk about that in just a half hour. I want to talk about a safety advancement in vehicles that is phenomenal. In the last decade, there was a safety feature that came onto cars that was not really on people's radar. And you may not even be aware that your car has electronic stability control. But electronic stability control has saved countless thousands and thousands, I'm sure tens of thousands of lives because it allows a vehicle, if you were in a situation where you go into an oversteer, to stay upright, and the electronic stability control essentially takes over the car and keeps it right side up. I was not at all aware of the value of it till I was on a freeway and somebody uh, made a very dangerous maneuver that I had to steer out of the way of them to avoid a collision, and I basically got into an oversteer at high speed on the freeway and I was out of control I was certainly going to roll over but the car had it was a Scion XB the toaster oh I missed that car anyway Scion XB took control and kept me upright and kept me going down the road and wow did I become a believer in that well today there's a technology that consumer reports says is the next big thing after last decade's electronic stability control and it's something that right now is starting to appear on more and more vehicles and it's generally referred to although automakers may have their own name for it as automatic emergency braking so the electronic stability control took care of the steering side the Automatic emergency braking, what it does is before you even realize that traffic is slowing down or stopping in front of you, the car already senses it and immediately starts applying automatic braking. Consumer Reports says that the results they've seen in cars that have it are so dramatic that it's going to be one of the key check marks for an automaker to get a good score for their car or truck or SUV or whatever on the Consumer Reports ratings. And so there's going to be a rush to market because Consumer Reports is so influential in the car space that if they say a car needs to have something, well, let me tell you something, that crossover SUV or car you look at, before you know it, it's going to have it. An example: USA Today reports that Nissan is going all in on automatic emergency braking, and they're going to have it heavily across their automotive line later this year. And so, if you go to buy a Nissan, almost without exception, the vehicle will offer automatic emergency braking is just coming with the car it's going to be standard on Nissan's seven most popular models and others are racing to market with it as well I have experienced the automatic braking in a different brand of car and it's startling how aggressive it is but it prevents an accident our producer Kim was in a freeway accident this past weekend. She's not hurt, thank goodness, but traffic slowed on the freeway and to a crawl to a stop, depending on where you were. Somebody coming up very fast behind, didn't notice in time, smashed in the car behind her with such force that that car went into her and she's not hurt. I didn't ask you. What a terrible person I am. I never asked if the person behind you was injured and had to go to the hospital.
4: No, the person behind me was great. She was in like a tank, like a Lexus SUV and it had a tow hitch on it. That car barely had a scratch. The car that hit her was completely crumbled. The police said that uh driver wasn't terribly hurt, but he did go to the hospital.
0: Oh. But the thing about the the automatic emergency braking is it's going to like rewrite history because so many accidents that would have happened like that one that Kim was in are likely to be prevented in most cases. And in the worst cases where the impact would have been extreme, the impact will be far more minor. So when you're looking for a vehicle, this is, in fact, I'll read a quote from Consumer Reports. Automated emergency braking is the most significant feature we've seen since the introduction of stability control almost two decades ago. That pretty much sums it up. So think about that. And again, it will be common and standard with most any car on the road in the next five years, but a lot of automakers are doing it right now And that should be one of the things you consider when you're looking for your next vehicle. Michael is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Michael. Hi, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Michael. You're headed to Hawaii. Yes, I am. I'm so jealous.
6: Oh, well, don't be. Actually, it's on my mother's bucket list. And I'm basically playing travel agent and making all the arrangements, and I get to kind of cart her around, which isn't bad. I mean, I'm going to Hawaii, so it shouldn't be a bad
0: thing. And where in the islands are you going to go?
6: Uh, We're going to spend a couple of days on the big island, and then we're going to wrap things up in uh, uh, in Oahu.
0: Well, I hope that it's just the most wonderful trip ever. How can I be of help with it? Well, the one thing I've
6: noticed, first of all, everything in Hawaii is extremely expensive,
0: except oh, Costco. Good. Except Costco. <laughs> you know, you should see it. The Californians who go to who go to Hawaii, like other people go to borrow um, sugar from next door, mm-hmm. for the for the Californians, they all know that right by every airport in the Hawaiian Islands, there's a Costco. And they sell things at the same price they do on the U.S. mainland. Wow, I'll have to remember
6: that when I get there. Uh, The the one issue I have is that, especially, we're going to be in uh, Waikiki for the last part of the trip. And every hotel, most of them have a resort fee, which luckily I got a place that doesn't have a resort fee. But they all charge for parking in the hotel right i mean i'm going to spend more on parking than i will for the rental car
0: yeah are you looking at like 30 a day for parking (laughs)
6: Uh, 39
0: 39 so in in honolulu the traffic is considered to be some of the worst traffic anywhere in the united states extremely congested road system Mm -hmm. and I would consider whether you really want a car at Waikiki. Hmm.
6: That would be something to consider. I, would, I figured, you know, I would be taking drives up to the northern part of the island, depending on uh, where she wants to go.
0: So, what I would suggest is plan out. You're doing the planning. Plan out your itinerary, where you either front load or back load your sightseeing. You would do by car. Mm-hmm. In. Uh, in Honolulu, and so that you only have a car, a portion of it. Also, if you're willing to walk a little from your hotel, you should be able to find a parking garage that you can park at or a parking lot significantly cheaper than the 39
6: Yeah, that, that sounds like a good idea. All
0: right, another oh, oh. thing you can do is you can rent a car only a day at a time.
7: Mm.
0: where you rent a car on a day that you're going to, you rent a car in town near Waikiki when you're, you know, you're going to go do some sightseeing on the roads, you rent the car, you go see those things, you come back, fill up the car before you turn it back in, dump the car after you drop your mom off, and then you walk back to the hotel.
6: That's a great idea. That, that might be the uh, solution. I was actually thinking of renting a car downtown and then using their parking lot, figuring it was their car.
0: They're not going to let you do that. Oh, oh well.
6: It was, it was a shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, although, if, if I can bring up one more quick point, if you've got a moment. Sure. Uh, when I'm using the, uh, the, the discount uh, hotel sites online to try and find a room, and is there a way to manipulate it to look for suites or to look for, uh, you know, two-bedroom two, two bedroom suites? Because all it keeps bringing up are just standard, regular... Yeah, it depends
0: on the website where you can do that. But Airbnb, which where you rent somebody's private apartment or condo, is what people are using heavily in Oahu, on Oahu, and... On islands like the Big Island, people are using VRBO. Okay. Because there are an enormous number of those Californians I was talking about who own condos in the Hawaiian Islands but can only go so many precious weeks a year, and they rent them out the other weeks.
6: Right. Wow. That's a great idea.
0: And if you go to the website Mm hotels.com, you can look for by how you set up your search you can look for places that are multi-bedroom okay awesome thank you so much for your help sure have a great time i again am jealous there's never enough time for me in hawaii jerry's with us on the clark howard show hi jerry uh good afternoon how are you doing
7: well um doing quite well, trying to get my thoughts together on a very difficult question. What's that? Well, it happens to do with my son, who has five children. He has his own business in Atlanta, and uh, he does not have neither term insurance or disability insurance.
0: And, and he has brother- five young kids, you said? Yes, yes sir. Woo. Okay.
7: Yes. He uh, had a circumstance a few years ago where, Four are his, and one is his uh, partner, and uh, they've teamed together and uh, you know, done a great job. Uh, he had a lot of obstacles to overcome from his prior uh, marriage and, and uh, having to do with taxes that were left with the federal and the state government because the person that founded with the money. Oh, I'm so, sorry. Yeah, he had a, a big rock to crawl out from under, but at this point in time, uh, we Nancy and I consider him to be... Uh, probably house and carport, and, and does not have the insurance. And uh, we kept talking about, okay, what can we do to help? And what we've decided to do is offer to title to purchase a term and perhaps uh, the term that you've talked about. Um, disability from- insurance? Uh, uh, level. Term oh,
0: insurance level term, yeah. And, so
7: And disability insurance. And we don't know whether we should get short long or
0: both long-term long-term disability so the thing is jerry you're going to find the level term insurance to be incredibly cheap your son's in good health Uh yes so if he's in good health level term is going to cost very little money you can even go to the uh, buying guide i have at clark.com i've got some uh, companies now that will issue policies that are good policies without a medical exam and make a decision on your son in typically under a couple of minutes and issue a policy. Others, you're going to have to have an exam. The disability insurance is a more difficult path and is actually more expensive for you to buy for your son, but the risk to your son is three times greater likelihood that he'll become disabled during his working years than pass away during his working years. So do the term level term right away for 20 or 30 years. That's an easy purchase to put together and very cheap. Um, buy probably 10 times his annual income. And then the disability insurance. Do you have an agent you've ever used to buy insurance, a human, rather than a 800 number? Uh,
7: no, sir, not, not recently. I have a State Farm
3: agent.
0: That- Call your State Farm agent and ask him or her for referral to a disability insurance broker. It's a specialized area, and you need a human involved in order to buy it. And your son, of course, will have to sign the applications. And even if you donate the money to your son, he needs to own the policy. Joel has for me a suggestion, a comment, a disagreement, whatever. Joel, how have I disappointed you well it's not me clark actually on the ask clark forum Allie wanted to not ask a question but tell you something based on a recent segment she said clark you recently indicted every school in the country with your comments regarding sunscreen i can't account for all schools myself but i can tell you that as a public school teacher my colleagues and i have never once forbade a student to apply sunscreen please be careful with those broad strokes i appreciate that that thing i did about sunscreen of all topics got a huge number of responses and that was the friendliest (laughs) so i appreciate that i think it's crazy schools that don't allow students to apply sunscreen by the way it's summertime out of school probably for most of you put on sunscreen when you're outside now
8: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance
0: Thanks for joining us today. And don't forget to check out Clark.com's other podcast, The Empowerment Zone. Join our executive producer, Kim, as she shares stories that will inspire and empower you. Learn more at Clark.com slash Empowerment Zone. I want to talk about something that came up last hour. I said, I want to noodle that. I want to think about it. And it shouldn't have taken me more than a second to come up with an idea, but the question was this. Gentleman called about the fact that his father-in-law, who was his father-in-law, has had a continuing problem with his credit cards getting compromised. And it's a little bit of a hassle, not normally a major one, but somebody will somehow obtain... The number for your credit card let's hope not your debit card because that's a whole different mess but anyway they'll get the number and they'll try to do charges many times succeed as if they're you and then you have to get a new card you have to dispute the charges that were not yours blah 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 and if you have anything set up that automatically bills that credit card you've got to update the number with them and So the question I was asked is, does credit freeze do anything about that or credit monitoring? And neither can do anything about somebody engaging in what the industry calls account takeover fraud, where there are so many weak links in the payment systems that the banks have put together that it has left people vulnerable At any point through the process of when you present a card at a retailer, a restaurant, or online that has allowed, or gas station pay at the pump is a big one, that has allowed criminals to compromise your number and then have a good time at your expense but it's not really your expense if it's a credit card. It's just a little bit of a hassle. So what can you do? And what I'm about to tell you is far more important for your debit card than your credit card. You're offered the option by most credit unions and some banks of the ability with their debit card to set up alerts when they're used or if they're above a certain amount, that they're used and that way you just look down at your phone because you set these alerts up where they come as a text to your phone and you say whoa I didn't just have that meal I didn't just buy that thing I haven't been to that store in my life whatever it is you know within seconds or typically no more than two minutes after a transaction has taken place that a fraudulent action may have occurred. Now, you won't prevent that fraud from taking place, but what you will do is you will be able immediately to notify your credit union or bank that the stuff is happening and they will shut down your debit card. Now, this is ultra-important... Because with the piece of trash fake Visa or fake MasterCard known officially as a debit card it is money that instantly leaves your account. And then that money is not there and you've got to fight with your own institution to get that money put back in. A lot of financial institutions do a very nice administrative job restoring money but I'll tell you federal law is not there to protect you with a debit card. It is there to protect you with a credit card. And the typical exposure with a debit card under the law is you lose the first $500 that somebody fraudulently is able to get out of your account. And so that's why setting up the alerts with your credit union is something that should be universal with banks as well, is that you can have these alerts to let you know when a transaction happens. Now, again, you can do the same thing with a credit card usually. The only difference is that the credit card, your liability under the worst circumstances, is capped at $50, generally at zero. And money has not left your hands, meaning that the account takeover fraud involving debit cards is far more serious for you than credit cards. So again, I can't prevent the fraud, but I make sure you know much, much quicker that the fraud is occurring. Stephen's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Hello, Clark. How are you doing today? Great, thank you. You're going to buy a new truck?
2: Uh, yes, sir. I was looking into into getting a newer truck. Yes, sir.
0: And are you going to get a brand new one or new to you used truck? I haven't really
2: decided. I was looking at both options because the, the one that I have now, I've had for 19 years and uh, I've got three kids and uh, I like having a truck for... Uh, when I need to go, you know, do some home improvement things, and uh,
0: just something I can carry my kids around in. All right. So wait, wait, wait. Nineteen years ago, you bought the truck, and you've kept it on the road for nineteen years. Yes, sir. Buy whatever you want, new or used. You know, if you keep, <laughs> if you keep a new truck ten years or longer, the the economic decision is such that it really doesn't matter whether you buy new or used. Okay. So feel comfortable buying a new one. All right, so I'm dying to know, how many miles have you run up on that thing in 19 years?
2: Well, the miles haven't really been uh, that big a deal. I have about 130,000 miles on it. I live relatively close to work, so my commute is, is bare minimum at most. Okay. And the other problem with it, it's a it's a two seater. I got it when I was in college, and I first leased it just to be able to put the payments. And then I bought it outright and paid it off. So,
0: so this time you're going to get one of those ones that's got the four doors and the big seating area front and back. Yes, sir. Okay. Right. Well, how can I help with your quest?
2: Well, I was looking at one of the uh, major used car dealerships, so to speak. and I wasn't sure. I haven't read any uh, reviews on them uh, on the web or anything like that. I didn't know if you had any information for me there, or should I look local, or...
0: So when you I'll say look. you're looking at one of the big ones, are you talking CarMax or somebody else? Yes, sir, CarMax. All right, CarMax has stood the test of time. Uh, it's a huge seller of used vehicles in the United States, customer-friendly policies, and generates virtually zero complaints to us or anybody. I can't oh. even I know we've had a complaint about CarMax before, but it's been years since we had one about them. Okay. So yeah, they looking, they are right. legit completely. And there's okay. no games, no gimmicks. The price is the price. Okay. Now a lot of dealers complain that CarMax is selling cars at a higher price than they do, or in this case, trucks. And my attitude is, so why don't you adopt the customer-friendly policies that CarMax uses, and then people will pay you more for your used vehicles, too? Right. So you're looking, then, at used at CarMax. How are you trying to make that decision, between buying a used one there or somewhere else and buying new?
2: Um, I'm not a big, huge fan of the negotiation piece of it. Um, You don't have to
0: negotiate anymore. Are you a member of Sam's Club or Costco Wholesale?
2: Yes, sir, Sam's Club.
0: Sam's Club offers a car buying program now. And people seem very happy with it. It comes with your Sam's Club membership. There's no negotiation at all. You just go basically sign the papers and take your new truck home.
2: Okay. I'll have to check that out.
0: The pricing's very good. Do you have an account sign-in at the Sam's Club website?
2: Uh, Yes, sir. Sure do. So
0: you go sign-in at samsclub.com, and under their services section, you'll be able to go straight to the car buying thing, And you'll have the price on your truck. This is what's really wild. You'll have the price for the truck in about three minutes. Oh, wow. And then you can compare what would it cost to buy it, no hassle new versus no hassle used. Okay. Good tip. So I hope it's a great experience shopping for it.
2: Yes, sir. I sure appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's been a while, sir. So. Yeah, 19 <laughs>
0: pretty... years of while. That is a long time. The longest we've ever had from someone, this was two years ago, who was still driving a car as their daily driver, was a 1976. Don't remember what kind it was, but uh, they claimed it was a 1976 automobile was still what they were driving each day joel i see you're very impressed with that that's I saw amazing that that's all, amazing all over your face and brian is with us on the clark howard show hi brian hi clark oh bryson you? i'm sorry I need to have my eyes checked, don't I?
9: (laughs) That's fine. You can call me whatever you want to. It's just an honor to be on here talking to you.
0: Well, it's great having you here, Bryson. And and speaking of me needing my eyes checked, do you want to talk about that?
9: Yeah, I've um, kind of been looking at getting LASIKs and kind of getting more serious here about it. And I just want to know what's a good way to kind of research, you know, find an affordable option that's also going to do, do a good job. But my wife's a little worried that if I go cheap, I might be blind or something like
2: that.
0: Well, you're not going to be blind, but you could have <laughs> post-op difficulties. But those can occur even with the best uh, LASIK surgery at the highest cost place. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a matter of odds, but the odds are extremely low that anything will go wrong. Okay. The advantage that some people feel from the high production chains, you know, the places that do just tons of the procedures at low cost is that Mm -hmm. they're doing so many procedures that it's gonna be better just as a result of you know, there's a feeling in a lot of surgery now that number of surgeries performed by a doctor are one of the greatest indicators of how good and precise that doctor will be at that surgery. Okay. But what's happened in the laser eye surgery business in LASIK is that it's really gone two directions. One is what are referred to as boutique LASIK, where you pay more money, but everything's included even if follow-up surgeries that they call by the euphemism enhancements have to be done follow-up care, follow-up treatment, all included in the initial price, and they're more personalized kind of places versus the high volume ones that are uh, as much as one-third the cost. If you do need follow-up surgeries many times, you'll have to pay extra for those. Okay. There There is no... You're looking, Bryson, I guess for me, for how you would vet out a practice or a, or an ophthalmologist to do this?
9: Yeah, just, um, you know, there's so many of them around, I guess that's a good way to kind of see, you know, reviews on the doctor or anything like that.
0: There is no equivalent that I'm aware of. There may be something since I last looked at this, but I've never found something that felt solid and definitive about picking a place, To do the LASIK surgery, and and going back to what I said about the car thing, you know, an area people complain about all the time, and getting very few complaints about this one or that one. I never hear complaints from someone who's had the laser eye surgery. Said LASIK.
9: Okay. Yeah, I've had plenty of family relatives who've done it before, but um, you know, my optometrist only works with one. Uh, yeah
0: but go okay you just gave the key to the kingdom go visit practices that your relatives and friends have gone to and decide maybe one of them is where you really want to have it done is it caressa is that how i say your name it's carissa carissa how are you i'm good how are you great thank you i'm sorry i fouled up your name
3: no that's fine everybody does it okay.
0: <laughs> Well, how can I be of service to you?
3: So I have a question. I'm expecting to get two, two or 3000 and, and you
0: wanted I'm, my address to send it to me?
3: <laughs> Sadly for you, no. Okay. Um, I'm trying to figure out what I should do with it. I'm in law school and I'm going to have student loans, and I'm trying to decide if I would be better off saving it to put towards the cost of law school for next year to reduce my student loans or if I should put it in my Roth IRA that's been neglected since I started law school.
0: Well, you can only put money in the Roth if while you're in law school, you're also working because you have to have earned income to contribute to the Roth.
3: Okay. I was working over the summer and then I have a part-time job
0: during school. All right. So you would be eligible for a Roth so the question is, would that make sense? It depends on this. For law school, are you borrowing only under the federal student loan program? I guess it would be uh, graduate plus loans. Or are you also doing private student loans?
3: It's just the graduate plus.
0: All right. If you're able to get by with just graduate plus, the rules under the federal program are favorable enough that you would want to take that excess cash and pop it into the Roth
4: Okay. and let okay, it grow great. there.
0: And By the way, with fellow law students, those that are doing some private borrowing, if anybody ever asks you, make sure that they exhaust their borrowing under the Grad Plus loans before they even consider the first dollar of private student loan borrowing. I saw a report recently that a huge number of people have borrowed under private student loans who still had not exhausted their federal borrowing power under either undergraduate loans or graduate loans. And that's okay. a terrible mistake. Well, good luck to you as a lawyer. What do you think you want to uh, end up practicing? What kind of law?
3: Probably intellectual property law. I got an engineering degree before law school. so.
0: Oh, Your area of law that you're going to go into is a very, very specialized technical area of law. So you must be a very detail-oriented person.
3: <laughs> I think so, yeah.
0: Well, good luck to you.
3: Okay, thank you so much.
0: Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks again for being here with us today on The Clark Howard Show.